You're listening to Aesthetically Speaking. On this podcast, we're talking about all things branding, logos, colors, fonts, and the strategy behind it all. It seems like these days it's easier than ever to build an audience, but harder than ever to stand out online. My name's Rebecca, and I'm a brand strategist and designer. I'm here with my sister, Abby, a lawyer who needs a creative outlet. Together, we're going to talk about how to bring your brand to life. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We are returning to the alphabet. If you've been paying attention, we are now on the letter L. Abby said that this is the episode that everyone has been waiting for. Everybody's been wondering, like, when are they going to talk about the letter L? <laughs> no, <When? not> that. <laughs> no, today we're doing L is for logo. Mm-hmm. And Rebecca initially was like, will, will people care about this? And I was like, yes, everybody wants to talk about logos. Everybody <laughs> wants to know your opinion about it. So finally, your purpose opinion answer, here we are. And so much time in my education and my career obsessing over logos that I'm like, do people even care about this anymore? Like, is does everybody already have a logo? It feels like maybe it's a non thing. But well, then I, I remember that like that's I not just true. did the brand challenge, but I think most people do not. What I see more often is everybody wants a logo because yeah. now everybody's a brand. Right. But I think people, we could also say that L is for lazy because instead of really thinking through and being strategic about a logo or doing a tiny bit of market research, people just call their closest friend with a Canva Pro account. Yeah. Or I swear, some people are just calling their friend with the nicest handwriting and saying, designing a logo. Yes. Or downloading the cheapest cursive font they can find on thefont.com. The font. Yep. (laughs) I was thinking about this episode earlier and I was thinking, why are we talking about logos? What's important? And I do think that even though I often preach your logo is not your brand, it's so much more blah, blah, blah. I do think that your logo identifies your brand and it can be something that's really significant and really representative of you and your business if you allow it to be. If you just get whatever Canva template you can find and throw it together, then yeah, of course, it's not going to be meaningful to you or to your ideal clients. So I do think that your logo is an opportunity to be really consistent and really recognizable with your brand. But in order to do that, you have to do it right. So I hope we can talk through some of that today. Yeah. My my first question as we're delving into this is, is there a difference between a logo and an icon? So yes, in my opinion, there is. There are certain logos that are icons. I'm thinking like the Nike swoosh. Right. Or like the Apple. Apple is obviously an icon, but that doesn't mean that every icon is a logo. Interesting. I also think that a complete logo has to have the name of your business in it. So, you know, Nike or Apple, they're such big brands that maybe they could get away with only having the swoosh on the front of their store or just a couple icon. But until you are as profitable and famous as Nike or Apple, your logo should have the name of your business in it. Okay. And if you... Does it have to be legible? Because I could not read the Coca-Cola logo for a very long time. The Coca-Cola logo. I actually love the Coca-Cola logo. But yes, legibility is... There's like five criteria for logos that are generally accepted in the design world. 
And one of them is legibility or readability. So that is important. That doesn't mean that it has to be the easiest thing to read in the world, but somebody should be able to look at it and make out the letters. Again, Coca-Cola has such brand recognition that at this point, you've probably seen this, a red billboard that has a white swirly stripe going over it. You would associate that with Coca-Cola without seeing anything else. But for the rest of us mere mortals, we have to do more than that. So to answer your question about the difference between a logo and an icon, I think icons tend to be a simple representation of a real object, person, place, or thing. Logos can be icons, meaning they can be a simple symbol or representation of something, but they can also be abstract. A lot of the logos that I create aren't a real thing that's represented. It's a metaphysical thing. It's a concept. It's a narrative that I'm creating something iconic for. So I think if you're using icons in your brand, you have to be careful if you're not a designer, because the chances of you using something that is A, copyrighted, or B, just unoriginal or cliche are so high. Ugly. (laughs) Yeah. Or just (laughs) ugly are so high that I, I think you're better off using just a typeface. But I think a really good designer can do something that is the three opposites, which is completely original and interesting and unique, not cliche and beautiful. So I think it's copyrighted for you, not for your competitor. Yeah. So I'm curious, you mentioned that there's five criteria for logos that are widely accepted. Yeah. You you said one is those. Yeah. What are the other four? I've never heard of this before, so it might seem obvious to you, but it is not to me. This is actually not my framework. This is actually something that was developed by Paul Rand, and he did the logos for IBM and UPS and ABC. He was lots of lots of three letter organizations in yes. his portfolio. Just and he did so many iconic designs. He was an American designer who was like very influenced by Swiss styles of design, which are more minimal, and so it kind of interesting that trend in. Anyway, so th- these are his criteria, which I also follow for my own. So the first thing is recognition and memorability. And so what I tell my clients is your logo doesn't need to represent your entire business. It doesn't need to describe your business. If you're a dentist, you Mm. don't have your logo be an icon of a dentist using a toothbrush to clean your teeth or whatever. Your logo needs to identify your business. So interesting. there should be something about it that is recognizable to you. Okay. The next thing is versatility. So your logo should be easy to adapt across all mediums, all sizes. This is why you often have like different versions of your logo so that it's always readable mm-hmm. no matter how big it is. So like when I'm creating designs, when I'm creating logo designs for my clients, I go as small as 50 pixels by 50 pixels, which is pretty tiny. That's pretty small, yeah. Yeah, and as big as, I mean, they can go as big as they need, but I show them up to like 600 pixels wide so they can see how it works in both applications. Okay. 
Okay. The next thing is relevance, which is kind of a catch-all in my opinion, because it's like, this is, I I kind of like to use the word appropriate. Is this logo appropriate for the industry that you're in, the target audience that you're trying to connect with? Does it, you know, enhance the relationship you want with your clients and your customers? So you wouldn't want to use something for example, like the new X logo for a platform that's all about sharing ideas, right? Can like that seems like a mismatch. <laughs> I am curious. I would love to know more about the team that designed X and was like, this is it. Oh, same. this is the future of communication online. Same. Okay. So we have memorability and recognition, versatility, relevance, and appropriateness, timelessness which means ooh that's ha- that's hard is very that's hard, hard to know the front end yeah. and and as we talked about last week what's timeless is somewhat subjective but again using a designer who understands the principles of good design so that they're doing things that make sense and are appropriate and that helps your logo remain relevant and stay appropriate despite what changes in the world mm, okay okay And you can see all of these things are subjective, right? Yes. It's not a cut and dry system because logos are just as much of an art as they are a science, which is why you need to work with somebody who has good judgment. But the very last- And I would say that I think a lot of these things, there's consensus. Yes. Right? Like when we were talking about appropriateness in the color episode, and you were saying, if you're buying power tools- is it wrong to make them pink? No. Right. But is it considered appropriate? Like right. maybe not necessarily. That's that's considered to be like something that's a deviation from the norm. Yes. Yes. So like, have we scientifically proven that is it, it is inherently necessary to have gray and brown tools to sell tools? No. Right. But there's kind of a consensus and that, that maybe one is, is one that's more obvious, but Right. A designer who works with lots of professionals in your field is going to know what that consensus is. Right. I was going to say the last principle of a good logo is originality, which is basically just like, is it new? Is it interesting? Is it unique? Does it look different? And that's because the whole point yeah. of building a brand is to capture attention and to stand out. And so I actually think you could probably start a hardware tools brand and have your color be pink. And like that could work for you, right? Like, let's say that you're marketing to the flipper flop women who are like, I don't need my husband to help me. I'm going to do these projects on my own kind of thing. Right. But if they, let's say that they had a pink brand, like that was their color, but then their logo was also super girly. That would feel like too much in my opinion. I think that's probably right. Right. I think that the logo should fit in a little bit more with the industry and you can be different in other ways. Maybe that's through your color. Maybe it's through your photography. Maybe it's through like the texture, the words that you use. So I think that that's why I always start with the logo. Once I have that, the rest of the brand kind of falls into place. And then color is kind of the next thing that comes together because I want to make sure that, that it, it works by itself. Right. The example I was thinking about in this too was the brand Cotopaxi. Okay. Because their 
their thing is they have these kind of like bright colored color blocked uh-huh. camping equipment. But most of what I've seen is merch. Like it's a lot yes. of Sherpa or Sherling jackets. Mm-hmm. And then I have a Cotopaxi fanny pack that my coworker gave me. Yeah. Or I've seen backpacks. So like it it needs to feel like it belongs in REI, but also yes. I think are benefiting from being so colorful. 100%. But if you go back to their logo, it's very basic. Mm-hmm. I think it's just like probably Georgia or Times New Roman looking mm-hmm. font. And then they have like a little llama head. I think it's Rockwell. I'm going to look it up. Ooh, I believe that. But yeah, I think that's right enough. Like this feels original, but also. Yeah. What we're selling you is actually not that crazy. It's just usable, waterproof, protective clothing and yes. baggage. Yes. Okay. Not that anybody cares, but because I'm a designer and a nerd, I'll tell you. The logo, I think, is Rockwell, but it's been customized. And okay. it's not a prerequisite for a good designer to like know the name of every font. I do not know the name of every font. I am pretty good at identifying them especially if it's a very if it's a big hitter like Rockwell. Yeah, like, like I've heard of right. You know, if it's future I'm going to know it. But I always think it's funny when people like I had somebody when I was hiring and one of the skills that they put on their resume was that they could identify any font in the Adobe Type Kit. And I was like That's like when people say like I memorized the whole constitution. I'm like congratulations that's brain space that you wasted. Yeah, I was like, that is kind of useless. And like, I don't care if you know the names of fonts. Do you know how to use them? Yeah. And it doesn't look like you do because your resume is really poorly designed. (laughs) One of the things I loved about being a design manager is that you get so many resumes and they're all like, most of them are really beautifully designed. And I feel like it's one industry where it's appropriate to have kind of an over-designed resume. Yeah. Anywhere else, it's like, take out the design elements, just do Times New Roman, don't make it fancy. But yeah, in design, it's kind of a thing. That is kind of fun. Anyway, okay, so those are the principles of a good logo. I think that's helpful. So now that we've talked about the principles, I have a little quiz for you. Okay. I don't know if I should call it a quiz or like a challenge. So I have compiled from my world uh-huh. logos that have come to me. Okay. So I, I haven't sought out like best or worst logos. These are things that I have seen in my own ecosystem on the internet or in real life. Okay. And I tried to pick things that it was not obvious what industry they belonged to by the name. Okay. So I'm going to show Rebecca about 10 logos. We might cut it if this goes too long. Okay. And my first challenge is I want her to use her designer brain and tell us if she can guess the industry that it's in. Okay. And then if she cannot, I will tell her. And then I want her to identify based on, you know, some of these five criteria that we've talked about, if this is a good or a bad logo or what she would change. Okay. And maybe there will be something that she can see that we do not see, et cetera. Okay. So I'm going to do this old school. Oh, this is not a screen share. This is a phone share. This is a phone share. This is extremely ghetto. (laughs) All right. So the first one is, yeah, we'll start with this one. Don't know whether to be nervous or excited. So 
in case the colors get weird, it's a gray background, like okay. a slate gray. Okay. And the yeah. name of the brand is Edited Pieces. Okay. I was going to say before you told me the name, so this is a monogram style logo. We have an E and a P and they're kind of interlocking. And it's a And they sometimes they sometimes will do a diamond, kind of an art deco diamond around okay. the Okay. Okay. And the font style is what's called a varied serif, which means it's like kind of in between a sans serif and a serif. So the edges and or like the corners kind of get bigger and smaller, but they don't have like the little details that a serif font would have. Okay. So my first thought when I saw that logo is I was like, oh, that kind of looks fashion-y to me. Okay. So I would guess, I was going to say it looks either like a, like a stylist or I was going to say like an interior designer. There's like an artistic element to it. Okay. So you are spot on. Okay. Edited pieces is the, it's the brand of the blogger I was just telling you about. Okay. So Jean Wang from Extra Petite, her first label, she does edited pieces. Okay. So she she's a petite fashion blogger. She's like five feet tall. Yeah. And so well, that also years, kind she, of works because it's extra petite EP edited pieces. I like that. So that's what she wanted to do. And then they do like very limited drops. Okay. Of Like they have one that's like a reversible coat. Okay. So one side is camel and one side is pink or she has like a reversible belt. Yeah. And they're like very minimalistic, but they're supposed to be very high in her opinion. They're very high quality. Yeah. And they're, they're like things that the petite world has been waiting for that she has now found. Yes. Like, they also have a slim calf boot. So it's like very, like they do three things and that's the drop. Interesting. Also, I'm like, Oh, boo-hoo, you can't find boots that have a slim enough calf. I can't find boots that have a fat enough calf. I have a pair of boots. They're like beautiful Italian leather boots that I bought when I lived in Italy, and I will never get rid of them. But I legit can't zip them up my calves. No. Been there. Totally been there. Yeah, I think- I just wear tights and leave them down. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that logo communicates all of that really well. I don't know what colors she uses in her brand, but because it's kind of like a limited edition vibe i would imagine like darker colors maybe some gold something that makes it feel more sophisticated would work really well for her interesting okay that sounds right okay here is logo number two i'm gonna zoom in on this one okay can you read that brave collective Okay, I okay so it says brave in like a thick sans serif font and then it has the and collective above and below it in like a thinner sans serif font and it's like a pink about the letter. circle yeah oh and okay so the a is just an upward carrot and the v is a downward carrot right there yep which side note i know that that feels really artistic and cool unless you have a really good reason for taking the crossbar out of the a don't do it it actually just makes it kind of hard to read. And I'm like, what is, what are they trying to say? And what that looks like to me is, I have no idea what this is, but for some reason I'm imagining like a social media digital marketers group of like interesting mompreneurs who get together and they're doing brave things by starting a business. Okay. Is that. So this one, I, I actually have a take on this one and 
the the v the upside down v uh-huh. the a uh-huh. to me reads fitness because i think vasa fitness mm. does that yep i actually think it works for vasa fitness because it, yeah, it looks, doesn't bother me there it looks like up up and down like increasing your reps it looks like buttons on a treadmill the buttons on a treadmill <laughs> yeah like i actually think it works yeah so i read i read this as fitnessy to tell you the truth first of all the brave collective i could find at least four different i was gonna Instagram say handles that is their name yes i know so many things that are so similar to that and honestly, after looking at this for all the time I was allotted, which was maybe three minutes, I could not tell you what they do. They do in-person events. Yeah, it's it's like a vague. It's some sort of vaguely empowering, coachy thing. Yep. Couldn't tell you. Yep. These kinds of things are all over the internet. And yeah, people are getting sick of them. Online groups are cool. You want to start an online group to support mompreneurs, solopreneurs, whatever preneur you want to call it, like do it, but you need to come up with a good name and you need to have a super clear purpose. It can't just be empowering women. It has to be more specific than that. I would be so much more likely to join a group that's like time management for moms of littles who also have a business. I'd be like, yes, I'm all over that, but just a general brave collective. It's like, we don't know what that means. Yeah. And also while I'm being just really rude here, I'm sorry. If this is one of your guys' businesses, I promise I am not a jerk. I'm just being a designer. That logo, these kinds of things drive me nuts because you can tell that this is someone who thought that what they were designing looked good because they're kind of copying something that did look good from someone else but they don't actually understand the rules behind it. And so theirs looks like a cheap imitation, which that's what it is. So like the word, the words the and collective are not spaced. Well, the word brave, it's not readable and it has the outline and then it has the down and up carrot thing. To me, when I see that, I'm just like, oh, this is not a professional group. This is a homemade honky tonk group. Yeah. which is. Which is fine if this is a free, low-key, casual group. But if you are trying to make money on something, you owe it to yourself and the people that you're selling it to, to make it look professional. And you can only do that by hiring a professional or being a professional, right? Anyway, okay, that's my tangent. Okay, taking it in a slightly different direction, here is this one. Hooley. Okay, C-O-O-L-E-Y. Red background? Red background, like the most... It's looking pink on the Zoom screen, but it's it's a true red. Yeah. Okay. Um, let me see it again. And you can kind of see, sorry, up in the up in the corner where the website is, you can see their icon. Okay. Yeah. I think the design is somewhat generic. It's just mm-hmm. a sans serif title case. There's nothing like none of the letters have been customized or anything to give me a clue what it is. The colors to me are reading somewhere in like sportswear, activewear. Interesting. It could also be like marketing. I don't really see it being like technology, but like maybe also this is probably just because it's the word coolie, but I'm like, maybe it's like coolers. 
<laughs> I could see it being something like that. You were, you were getting hot before and now you're quite cool. Okay. So something more along the lines of like marketing agency related or like active okay, wear. So are you ready? I'm ready. Money? Yeah. Yeah. So Cooley is a law firm. Oh. Cooley is a law firm based in Palo Alto. But it definitely doesn't read law firm to me. So Cooley, partially because they're based in the Bay Area and also because of their expertise, Cooley is like a hard hitting IP firm. Okay. I can kind but of see if that. You are a, if you are doing bet the company litigation on, on a copyright matter, okay. you probably talked to Cooley. Okay. That makes more sense, especially the C icon as yep. their logo. Honestly, if they put that circle around the C in their full logo, it might be too much. That, that would like be that some, better. Yeah. I feel like that's something that I would experiment with. I think a lot of law firms are under designed. Yes. What we perceive as under designed. Yeah. Even, even a firm that's doing some like cutting edge and creative stuff. Right. So it was a, an interesting trend in law firm names because like now a lot of them have just kind of said like, this is our name and we're moving forward. But it right. used to be that like the named partners. So it would be like right. four last names. Yeah. Anyway, so it's Peterson like, Murphy or whatever it is. Right. HHM from Better Call Saul is like yeah. three last names. Anyway, so now a lot of them are shortening. Right. So it used to be da 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 Cooley, blah, 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 blah. And yeah. now it's just Cooley. Right. Yeah. It used to be Booz Allen Hamilton or Deloitte and Tush. And now it's just Deloitte. Right. <laughs> right. I, okay, two things. One, I feel like if there was, I feel like that logo just needs something. I want it to either have a forward slant to it or have the last letter. I almost imagine something with like a cursor at the end, like a blinking cursor. Interesting. Oh, that would drive me nuts, but okay. Yeah. I, it wouldn't be blinking. You'd have to find a way to do something with it, but I just feel like it needs, it needs something that says we're forward thinking, we're protective, we're aggressive something like that. And the truth is like, it sounds like they have the recognition where what they needed was to simplify rather than add to it. But that's what I am thinking of. I actually really like the Deloitte logo. I think their branding is really strong. And for anyone that doesn't know, they're one of the big four consulting firms. Accounting firms. Yeah. Oh, accounting firms. Yes. I knew that. Anyway, their logo is just Deloitte, but the there's a period on the end and the period is a different color. That's it. That's what I was thinking of. I do like that. Yeah. And again, like it just says just enough that it means like something is final. It means that we're confident in who we are. Like it's a full stop. Anyway, it's just... I think it's an interesting decision. I also really like their use of green. I feel like that's so spot on for an accounting firm. I just think it works really well. Those two are so similar, but I feel like Deloitte's is stronger. I also feel like the Cooley font is, I don't know if you've heard this concept before, but it's the idea that if you get a large enough group of people and ask them all to agree on their favorite color, it will be beige. <laughs> okay. And the idea is that there's an optimal number for group 
strategy and thinking. And if you get too many Mm -hmm. people, the only way you'll have consensus is by doing something really boring. And I kind of feel like that's where the Coolie logo is. It's not bold enough to be bold. It's just like right in the middle. I just want it to be a little more of something. You want it to be cooler? I want to be cooler. Maybe they sell coolers. I think if I had showed you three law firm logos, I think you would be like, this is the best one. Honestly, yeah. Because most law firms have awful branding. Yeah, terrible. Okay, I wanted to do, I just have two more. And these are, these both have icons too. Okay. So this one, this is a photo of the app, but you get the picture. Okay. So, and the name is ProCare. Okay. Hopefully so you don't know, already know what this is. I was going to say, I actually do already know what this is because this is the, ah, same, shucks. the same app that we <laughs> use, but I'll give you my impression before I tell you what it is. So it's three interlocking yeah. circles and one is, I think it's like blue, yellow, and like a pinky color. Yeah. And I think it's hard to use interlocking circles without it looking a little bit Olympics. Or like the crushed up logo from the mixed up files of Mrs. Basily Frankwater. (laughs) I think about that often. Or just like a Venn diagram. But I actually really like this one. I like the idea. It's like primary colors-ish. It feels Mm -hmm. friendly. It feels very safe. It feels connected. Even before I could quite see what it was, I was like, oh, I bet this is like a children's brand, which is what it is. ProCare is an app that connects parents with what's going on at childcare facilities. And, and we are grateful for it. We're so grateful for it. It's the best. And I think the logo works pretty well. You know, to me, it kind of implies like the three parties, right? Like your child, your parents, and the childcare providers. Yeah. And connecting the three of you. So I get it. I don't think it's amazing. I think there's something a little bit more unique they could do, but I really like it. And I really like the app. When I, after we talked about my branding session, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, Rebecca will for sure say that this is education. Uh huh. But when I saw it the first time, I was like, oh, it looks like a printing thing. Like the, mm-hmm. it looks like the MYK colors. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. That's why I'm not a designer. Yeah. Okay. So this is our last one. Okay. Does it say diversion? It says diversions. Diversions. And then the icon is like. It's like a bird. Okay. The icon is built out of shapes. So the curvy part of the D, it's like a lowercase D ish. The curvy part is like the neck and head of a bird. Then the ascender of the D is the tail. And then there's a little triangle at the bottom, which is like the feet. I like that. Okay. To me, that's such a designer thing because I would not look at that and see a D. I just see a bird. I don't really see a D. Okay. I barely see a D. I think they either should have tried to make it look more like a D or more like a bird. Right now it's it's coming across, but it could be stronger. And I'm really curious what this brand is. Don't so the me. interesting thing is that like if the bird is supposed to look like a D, the D they use in their text logo is an uppercase D. So they're different shapes. Right. Which you can do that. But there does seem to be a little bit of a disconnect for me between the icon and the type because the type okay. is a serif font that says diversions. 
but they're using a, and it's an all uppercase except the I, which is in lowercase. And then the second ascender of the V is curving in. So there's just like enough in here that I'm like, okay, it's, it, to me, it reads like a restaurant. Interesting. Okay. Because it looks half sophisticated, half novelty, quirky. Mm. Like there's definitely kind of an artful aspect to it, but I'm having a hard time deciding like, is this a really fancy thing or a more casual thing? Okay. So diversions is a med spa. Oh, interesting. And so I didn't want to influence you, but I think the icon is like a peacock looking at itself. Uh, Does that make it work more for you or less? Um. I love the idea of a peacock looking at itself. I don't think this icon does that. It looks a little bit like a chicken to me. And so I was like, it's not translating like the beauty, the sophistication. Yes. Yeah. It reads a little bit like it reads a little bit rooster to me because of the three dots above. And I, I think peacocks also have some sort of plumage. They do. Yeah. You and I just have a lot of Wow. There's a $10 word. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, if you didn't know, our dad raised raised slash raises chickens, and um, both of us had to raise our own set of chickens when we were fourteen. I want to say so. Very tender memories. Yeah, it's like I can tell that it's not really a chicken. Birds are notoriously difficult to do icons of because you either have to do like the Twitter blue bird, mm-hmm. which is phenomenal, but it's been done. Or you end up doing something that looks a little bit more like a dove. Anyway. Which I would, is also. Yeah, I would love to do a logo with a bird. I've done some bird. You are a bird who but... needs a brand. Call <laughs> Rebecca. Please contact me. Yeah, there's also, there's a softness that I think is missing from the font of the word diversions. So when you use all caps, that reads very strong. It's very confident, very bold. It can also be a little bit aggressive. Yeah. So one thing that designers do to soften that up is they'll space out the letters a little bit more. So there's a little bit more breathing room. You know, having some of the letters connect gives it a little bit more of like a feminine feel. So I think something like that, even like imagine if the V, the R, and the N, instead of just straight tails, had like a curved tail, each of them. Yeah. Something like that could give it more of that vibe. I also keep seeing, sorry, this is going to be so boring for you guys that aren't seeing, aren't seeing these logos, but I also keep seeing like a question mark out of the bird, which I think is cool for another brand, but for a med spa, that makes no sense. I also felt like there was something, something about the typeface felt a little bit papyrus-esque to me. Yeah. Like it doesn't look like papyrus, but it looks, it looks like a font that has a very particular cultural moment. Yes. And so when you use it in a different context, it just wasn't reading the way that I would want to feel at a med spa, which is like luxury. Yes. And yes. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. yeah. So I think there were some really good ideas in here. The execution I just thought I thought was interesting. And I thought the combination of the icon with the font would be fun for you to critique. Yes. So one thing that I used to do when I was part of a creative team and we were doing logos 
is we would use that set of five principles and we would give them to our client or the stakeholder, whoever it was. We would give a paper that had those five principles on them. So like memorable is a recognizable versatility, relevance, timelessness, and uniqueness. And then we would put it on like a sliding scale. And for each concept that we would show to them, they would have to rank the logo in those five categories. So for example, the diversion logo would rank high on uniqueness, yeah, memorability, relevance or appropriateness, maybe less so, timelessness, less so. Anyway, so we would use that. And then the direction that we would typically pursue is the one that had the highest marks in every category. Interesting. So that's something that you can use in your own brand when you're creating your logo is just go through that criteria and say, on a scale of one to 10, how timeless is this? Yeah. And really answering that question. Another hack for you is I think there's actually been a study on the most popular font for logos, Mm. which is Helvetica or Arial. Yeah. So if you are just totally stumped and you don't know what to do, type out your business name in Helvetica and then just experiment with all the different things you can do. You can make it all caps. You can make it lowercase. You can spread it out. You can squeeze it together. You can put it all in a line. You can put it all in a wave. Yeah. And for someone who's not a designer, I think that's a really easy way to at least get started with your logo. But like I said, I know this sounds like such a jerk thing, but what makes a logo professional is if it's designed by a professional. Yeah. And I say that with all the love and respect in my heart, but if a professional has not designed your brand, it's not going to look professional. Or even like we were talking about today, there are brands that are like some of the logos we talked about. It's clear that they were trying. Yes. Like someone had just enough knowledge to be dangerous. And so they knew how to space out the letters or they knew how to change the height. Yes. But they didn't actually know why they were doing it. Yes. So in the end, you know, it made some difference. It looks better than if they had someone do it who didn't have any sense of symmetry or balance, but right, it didn't get all the way there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oftentimes logos that are designed by non-designers, if they work, it's because they have unintentionally followed principles of design. Yeah. Which like is great. I'm I'm not calling them out. I'm just saying that working with somebody who understands those principles is going to give you a better result. And I think we've talked about this, but there's kind of this notion sometimes that you don't need a fancy brand to start your business, like just start selling. And I totally understand that because we can get really caught up in like, I have to have all the things. And if I don't have business cards, what will I do? And it's like, you need a paying client first, right? Yeah. But having worked with some very large businesses, I can tell you that it is easier to brand your company at the beginning than halfway through. Rebranding is not just challenging because you're completely pivoting your direction, but it's also just logistically difficult. You have so many things that have to be redesigned yeah, because they don't match your new brand. So I usually tell people when they're like, how do I know when I'm ready? I'm like, when you know that you're serious about your business, that's when you're ready. Has nothing to do with the revenue that you've made or the number of clients that you've worked with. When you have that clarity, that's when you should work with a branding expert. Yeah. I like that. That answers 
all of my questions. Is there anything else you wanted to say about logo design? Um, I'm trying to think. I feel like I kind of wanted to share what I do, like the check marks that I have for creating a logo. Yeah. Because obviously there's those principles that I keep in mind, but I also have the strategy that I've talked about with my client. I have the general creative direction, the stylescape that I've worked on. And what a lot of people want, what I've talked about is like, they want their logo to kind of capture the essence, right? And it's like, if we can do it with the logo, which is the smallest, simplest part of your brand, we can do it with everything else. Yeah. And so that's really challenging, but also really exciting to me. I always tell my clients, like, there is a perfect solution for your logo. And I don't know what it is, but I know I can figure it out. Yeah. So I talk to you as we work through this, as we create a narrative for your brand, I will create the perfect visual for you. So what I do when I'm designing a logo is I always start in one color. Typically that's black, but it doesn't really matter because I don't want to create a logo that requires multiple colors to work. I like that. It needs to work as one solid color. And that's one of the ways that I know that it's simple enough and memorable enough. So I always start in one color. And then I have this kind of process where I'll design something. And if I am keeping that same concept, but iterating on it, I design below. If I am trying a completely new concept, I move to the right. Okay. So at the end, I should post a picture of my artwork, but at the end, I basically have this path that moves down to the far right corner of my page. Yeah. Iterate on the designs. But that's how I keep myself on track because a lot of times what will happen is I'll have an idea for a logo that just isn't working. And so I do something else. And then a few steps later, I'm like, okay, I know how to use that now. And so I want to go back to that and use it now. So a good designer will always have every iteration of their design so that they go back to it rather than just iterating on the same design and being like, oh, you know what? I liked it better three designs ago and being like, well, crap, you know? Well, I like, I like that even your method for designing is designed. Like you have come up with visual cues to tell yourself how your process works. It's definitely organized chaos. Um, (laughs) It's very satisfying to me. And then the other thing that I do, which we talked about when we did your branding challenge, is I try to give myself three to five narrative objectives of the brand that I want to put in the logo. I call this like imbuing your logo with meaning. And so I want it to almost be dripping with (laughs) significance and meaning. I tell people like every pixel has been perfected and adjusted to say exactly what we want it to say. And so what I like to do is I'll make a list of kind of, you know, three to five things that I'm like, these are concepts that are really important. Sometimes that's something like I want it to feel educational, but I also want it to feel approachable, right? Like those are kind of two juxtaposing ideas. Sometimes it will be something like we really want to create synergy with the logo and combine letters to do something new. I'll kind of keep those. And I basically put those on my artboard as I'm designing. And every time I kind of create a concept, I'll go through each of those and like check it off one by one. Does this logo meet? this objective? Does it meet this objective? And sometimes I'll wind up with something, you know, let's say that my 
my three goals are, I want it to feel really creative. I want it to feel really sophisticated and I want it to feel editorial, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll have a logo where I'm like, it's it's editorial-ish, but it's not enough, right? Like how do I really push that? How do I add to that? Like we were saying with the Cooley logo. Okay, if we want it to be protective, creative and cutting edge, yeah. what do we do to say that? And I look at each letter individually. I look at the icon and then I look at the the design as a whole. Okay. So I want each thing to be perfect and I also want it to work well together. And I typically create, not, I'm not going to drag this on because I know it's not that interesting, but I typically <laughs> create what I call the logo lockup, which is basically the version of the logo that has the icon or the submark as it's called in the biz and the logo type, which is the word together. Yeah. So that I can make sure that those feel like the same brand. Mm-hmm. Because I have seen brands where like they'll have a really cool logo type, like the word looks awesome, but then they have an icon that doesn't seem to fit and you want those to feel like they belong together. And then I pull them out and say, okay, do they stand on their own? Do they communicate what they need to on their own? And then I iterate from there. Okay. And then I go through and put everything in color, put it all in a presentation. I never ever present my logos to my clients just like black and white logo on a blank page. I always provide context for the logo. So I can say, this is what it would look like on a business card. This is what it would look like as an app icon, because it's really, really hard for us to imagine how something is going to work in context. And I really want to help my clients see that it does work and that it's not just like, oh, that's really cool and strategic. It's like, oh, this actually makes my brand connect with the people that I want to and reach the audience to and all of that stuff. So that's basically my process for designing a logo. Sometimes it comes really quick. Sometimes it takes hundreds of hours just to get the right concept. But I do find that it's kind of this, what's the word? What is it in chemistry? The thing that makes it explode. Um, You're asking the wrong person because I only took one third of a semester of chemistry in physical science my freshman year of college. I took zero chemistry in college. Catalyst. Catalyst. The logo is the catalyst. Okay. Everything else is important, but until the logo is figured out, it's not going to work. And once you have the catalyst, that's magic. Okay. I really, really, this is off topic, but Cobb loves watching me design logos, not just like sitting over my shoulder, but the weeks that I'm working on the logo part of the brand, he's always just like, I want to see where you are. I want to see what you're doing. And he's like, I wish your clients could see this because it is fascinating to see this iterative journey come to life. And sometimes it really is, I'll have a concept and I get pretty far with it. And then I'm just like, this is not it. Or like, I'll go to bed and I'll wake up the next day and be like, I know what it is. Like I can see it in my head. And sometimes even, I know this sounds so woo-woo and dumb. Sometimes literally in like the brand strategy session when my client is describing like, I really want to be known for this. And I dream of helping people with that. As they're talking, I can see what they are describing in my mind, even though like they can't even see it. Right. But then as soon as I present it to them, they're like, this is exactly what I saw in my head. I just I didn't even know how to describe it. I'm like, I know. Yeah. 
I think that's a gift of a Rebecca having synesthesia, but also lots and lots of practice of having to mm-hmm. translate something verbal into something that's visual. Yes. And it's just like the 10,000 or 20,000 hours that you've put into it are now paying if that that neural connection is instantaneous, right? Yes. I had a, I may have told you this story, but in my, I took like a logo design course mm-hmm. and uh, which was really fascinating. And also every logo I designed, my professor was like, yeah, I hate that. I hate that. Like literally, ev- and that wasn't just me, everybody's designs. He was like, <laughs> oh, a leaf where half of it is solid and half of it is striped. How original. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but like really pushed us. Anyway, it was super interesting because the last, I can't remember, month of the semester or whatever, he said, we're not going to design anything. He said, I'm going to teach you the most valuable skill you can have as a designer. And he said, I'm going to teach you how to read a design brief or like how to work with clients. Because all of our assignments were like these really in-depth briefs where it's like, here's your target audience. Here's what they're doing. Yeah. It's the unique value proposition. And he was like, let me show you what a real brief looks like. And he did this slideshow and it was all of the briefs that he'd gotten from clients over the years. And it would literally be one word on a napkin. Oh my gosh. Or a scribbled stick figure on a page. And he said, if you can learn to listen well and understand what your clients are saying, and more importantly, what they're not saying, you will be a successful designer. I don't feel like he taught me exactly how to do that, but he taught me that that is just as important to being a good designer as how you actually arrange the pixels on a page. Yeah. And I really do feel like that's one of my gifts. Like when I talk to somebody, I'm like, I just know what they want. I can yeah. see it. I can hear it. I just know. <laughs> it's really cool. That's a gift. Anyway, so that's logos. I'm just going to close by saying, if you have a logo that you designed on Canva, don't beat yourself up about it. Maybe don't waste any more time redoing it yourself. Focus on refining your product, understanding your ideal client, and then hire me to design your logo for you. (laughs) And I'll help you do the other stuff. Yeah. I think that's great. Hi, Rebecca. Thanks for joining us today. Bye, everyone. (laughs) Bye. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed listening to Aesthetically Speaking. If you want to support the podcast, please leave us a nice review or connect with us on Instagram at Rebecca Peterson Studio. 